Coming at you from the Steel City, you're listening to Poor Man's Podcast, Pittsburgh's premier comedy podcast. Your weekly dose of humor hosted by Chris Hopper and with a new special guest each week. And here's your host, Chris Hopper. Woo! Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Poor Man's Podcast. I'm your host, Chris. Along with me, this week, we have Sports Guy JP. Sports Guy JP, how are you? Doing pretty good. How's it going over there? Pretty good. Uh, we are doing kind of a hybrid uh, Poor Man's Podcast, Poor Man's Podcast Sports Extra, uh, because I had to work on Monday, so we didn't have a guest or a show. Uh, today is Tuesday when we normally uh, record the sports show. So we're going to do a little hybrid. We're going to do the sports talk that we normally do. And then we're also going to have the beer of the week. And then we have stuff to do in Pittsburgh's picks of the week. So we'll talk about all of that uh, this week. Uh, coming up, though, uh, we have some good guests coming on the Poor Man's Podcast. We have comedian Justin Powers. And we also have musician from Binley Hardware Company, John Binley. Uh, he's doing his show at uh, Tonky Tonk. I'll have to find out. I should have done better research. The Honky Tonk Jukebox. That's what it is. Uh, so we're going to have him on. He's going to talk to us about that, and we'll be joined the whole show by Justin. Cheech will be back, so it'll be good stuff. But today, we have Sports Guy JP, and we just saw the Super Bowl. Uh, JP, what, what what's your main takeaway from the Super Bowl? Rams winning. Yeah, Rams win. I guess it's um it's kind of a new way, I guess, to evaluate how to win a Super Bowl. You know, in the past years, it was, you know, draft your guys, evaluate. I'm starting to sense maybe a little bit of a – NBA type shift. I saw what happened with uh, the Buccaneers acquiring Tom Brady, and then from there they were able to get Antonio Brown, Leonard Fournette, all those types of guys. And then you see that with McVay this season, obviously getting out and acquiring Matt Stafford, Vaughn yeah. Miller this year, Odell Beckham. Um, it's, so it's, you know, back to back years, we see a different shift in who's taking home the hardware, and I'm interested to see you know, whether this is the new way of doing business or if we continue to build through the draft, so to speak. Yeah, that is interesting because I would say traditionally watching the NFL, when people try to put together you know, dream team kind of things, uh, you think of like uh, Washington a lot putting together some like you know all pros, but those guys were all past their prime. It looks like they're getting the right pieces at the right time, and Sean McVay know, knows how to use each one, utilize each one, and manage egos. Yeah, I'm just I'm interested to see how they pan out, you know, when these guys, you know, they're getting up there in age, some are gonna retire. They don't necessarily have the draft picks to fulfill those spots. So I'm interested to see, you know, do they go out and sign free agents or, you know, do they have to trade even well, future draft picks further down the road or that you know, seems, I'm interested to see what they do. That seems to be what the Rams had to do is they traded their draft picks and kinda mortgaged the future, so to speak, for the chance to win this year and they did. I mean, I would say as a fan, that's kind of what you want. At least speaking for me, I'll ask you in a minute. But I would like my team to kind of, you know, do that every now and then and really put out a chance to win right now because it's so hard. People, you know, you don't make it every single year, so you have to jump on that opportunity. You don't want to ruin your team for the next, you know, decade or so. But if you have, you think you're missing a piece or two and a draft pick will do it, then I'm glad to see uh, they pulled the trigger and went for it. Yeah, yeah, I support that. I just kind of need more data to support it. I kind of want to see use this Rams as the example. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm all for it. I mean, up to this point, they're kind of the outlier, uh, besides yeah. the Buccaneers, like you were saying last year. 
And it is. It is reminiscent of the NBA where, where it's like a star that kind of recruits their own people. Yeah, that too. I was just going to say, like, if you're able to, uh, you know, if it's just one pick or one player for the expense of um, acquiring, you know, a Pro Bowl caliber player, that makes sense to me. I'm just inter- interested to see, you know, moving forward if it was, you know, the right decision and see how the Rams pan out in the next few years. I mean, they definitely have some guys that, I mean, they've had Cooper Cup, uh, Aaron Donald. Those two guys are probably their stars, their best offensive and defensive player that they, you know, drafted. But there's so many other I mean, Odell Beckham Jr., he got hurt, but he had a hell of a game. I mean, he had two catches, I think. But, I mean, those two catches, he made an impact. And, uh, you know, you see Von Miller came in, uh, those acquisitions. You know, Jalen Ramsey wasn't drafted. They had to bring him in. Yeah, the Rams, like I said, even since McVay's been there over the course of his entire tenure there, he's went in and acquired these guys, you know, solely to win this um for an opportunity to win the Super Bowl. And um, it's funny, w- w- with and without Odell Beckham um, in the Super Bowl, the Rams' performance, um, you know, and their um, um, th- th- throw rates, you know, to their open receivers, tight windows, as well as the touchdown-to-interception ratio was all, um, you saw a decrease in all of that um, when Odell Beckham was taken out of the game. Um, Stafford with them was... 10 to 12 for 140 and then without him 16 to 28 for 143. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like once he was out, not that he was the entire offense, but there, the offense was kind of, you know, it wasn't as smooth as it normally was. Uh, Stafford led that drive late to Cooper cup for the touchdown. But besides that, there wasn't too, too much offense. No, I, the I think running game what... on both sides was non-existent. Yeah, I mean, I was going to get to what I was going to say was um, kind of what Cincy did at Kansas City a couple weeks ago in, in the second half, how they just played defense and um, forced incompletions, you know, got the sacks, the punts, um, turnovers. You know, that's what I saw going back and forth in this game initially. It wasn't a great defensive game, you know, through quarter, you know, the first three quarters necessarily. But, you know, it was just kind of a, a low-scoring fair um, it, it stayed close and made it competitive, which made it, you know, interesting to watch. But, you know, I wasn't necessarily overwhelmed with anybody until the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's kind of what – but that's kind of how it seems to have been kind of for these playoffs. I mean, there's been a lot of good games, but it's really come down to the fourth quarter, and every game has kind of been close or within, you know, scoring distance or scoring, uh, you know, within one score at the end of the game. Yeah, and I was happy to see a Super Bowl that ended with just a three-point differential. With you know, C- Cincinnati had a chance. Like, if, if you were going to be told that the game would come down to, you know, the Rams down four, and then Stafford gets a go-ahead touchdown, go up three, and then since he would be driving, and the game's going to end on a fourth and one because they th- throw up a ball due to you know the pass rush and it's incomplete, yeah. and that's how it's going to end. You would think everything leading up to that point would make for you know a great football game. And like I said, because that happened, it was a good football game. It's just, you know, the, the numbers on e- either end wasn't, you know, overwhelming. Yeah. Rams actually averaged under two yards of carry running the football. It seems, like, it, all over. it seems like a lot of games are kind of like when you think about it, was that a good game or not? It really does come down to how it ended. Yeah, absolutely. And because of the ending to that game, I would say it was, you know, it was entertaining. It was right. entertaining. It was a good game. 
but like you know, it just wasn't as um, I guess explosive as you know what we saw throughout the playoffs. I think one of the biggest uh, matchups in that was the offensive line of Cincinnati and the defensive line of the Rams. Uh, Cincinnati just got bullied that entire game. Yeah, I, I think that you know Zach Taylor and the Bengals has had the assumption that we're not going to be able to block LA up front. So I mean, when you look at the game plan, um, but Burrow was releasing the football. Um, uh, where's yeah, yeah. two point four three seconds he had to get the ball out on average. Um, so the game plan was: look, we simply can't block these guys. We need to get the ball out. Um, utilize Mixon if we can. Um, he finished with fifteen carries and a passing touchdown strictly because when they got into the red zone, I think they knew that they just simply don't have the line to push. You know, Mixon across the goal line, nor do we have a line to protect Burrow. So, I mean, they resulted to, you know, trickery, and that's yeah. how they had to move the ball. There was this pressure in his face the whole game, and really it did come to, down to it at the end. I wish they would have shown that replay. They showed it live when uh, Burrow was about to be sacked and kind of threw it away, and I thought uh, the receiver at the bottom there was going to make the catch. It looked kind of close, but then they never showed the replay again, so you can never really see how close it was. Yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah, it looked like Pete P. Ryan was getting his head around, but the ball, like, simultaneously passed at the same time so it yeah. looked like yeah he had an opportunity it looked like yeah. but it would have been you know like the best reflexes ever right, yeah but i thought it was close enough that they should have at least shown the camera one more time like of the ball hitting the ground they just showed uh burrow getting rid of the ball and seeing him hit the ground and then basically aaron donald pointing at the ring or whatever Right, right. Yeah, yeah, I did notice that, too. It was like four times in a row they showed that, but we couldn't see, you know, P. Ryan just missed, yeah. missed the ball like we all wanted to see. Um, yeah, yeah, as a matter of fact, Burrow um, was sacked 70 times throughout the season, including the postseason, which is the most ever, and closest was Roethlisberger in 2008, but he was only dropped 54 times. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, it was crazy. It, it was reminiscent of the Steelers' offense almost, like getting rid of the ball instantly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's what they had to do. The Rams finish with, a, you know, seven sacks, three QB hits, 26 total pressures. Um, they just simply didn't have the time, you know, to, to yeah. make plays down the field. Um, I'll tell you what, uh, Jalen Ramsey gave up a couple plays. I know the one he got kind of face-masked, uh, but there were a couple others. He just got beat yeah. by Chase on the wall. Yeah, J Jalen Ramsey actually did not play well whatsoever in this game. Um, Eli Apple um, n did not perform well whatsoever either, as I said, heading into the game. But he's been on multiple teams, and Jalen Ramsey's supposed to be an all-pro. Um, but yeah. Ramsey finished with uh, five catches allowed for 160 and two touchdowns. Apple, four catches for 41 yards, and uh, both Cooper Cup touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, what's your, I mean, we, we were going into it thinking it was going to be close. Uh, I kind of like bet the Bengals with the points. I, I kind of like the money line, but I definitely liked them with the points. And we were thinking maybe, you know, money line and, and points could be different. We thought it could be right in that four point, And it was that with the field goal. Yes, it was. I just said, take the points because I had a feeling the Rams would win. So I just figured take your team and the points if the points have to be factored in. But I, I do like what you said, Bengals with the points, Rams money line. Um, but, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was a, it was a close matchup. It was exactly, you know, kind of what I expected. I expected more run out of the run game from the Rams. Um, but like, I mean, Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford showing up late, Matt Stafford doing his, 
his his signature uh, no look pass, which you know was often um, overlooked in his time in Detroit, since he was never playing competitively in yeah. Detroit. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was great to see him um, look off the defenders and hit cut for a game winner. And um, you know, in fr- from a, a Cincinnati standpoint, uh, I think I, I would have liked to have seen them use uh, Joe Mixon a little bit more in the game. He did average almost five yards a carry. Ended with seventy two yards on the ground, um, and honestly, he he looked good running. Maybe the he did I run better. They, I'm just, know, just got I'm, away from him. I'm, my memory of the game is just pressure up the middle, middle, and Joe Burrow getting rid of it. So maybe they should have ran it more. But yeah, uh, that I'm blown away by uh, you know Aaron Donald and the way that line played the pressure up the middle. Yeah, Von Miller and Aaron Donald both recorded two sacks. I saw Von Miller tied a Super Bowl record for most sacks ever in the Super Bowl. Oh, wow. Like career? Like career, yeah. yeah. Four and a half, I saw. And he only made two, or has he made three? Uh, Two. Well, he made technically made the Seattle one, but he was hurt. So didn't okay, I didn't, know, I didn't know if he was in that game or not. Um, But yeah, he's, he's incredible. Do you see, uh, I mean, I would assume Andrew Whitworth's probably done, right? Yeah, and was pushing for it. I heard Aaron Donald and Sam or Sam Sean McVay both considered retirement too. Yeah. Um Yeah, I mean that's one of those things you're seeing a lot of guys. I mean, remember, I mean Luke Keekley just recently, um what's his name? Patrick Willis. There's some guys that just I mean Andrew Luck, you're seeing some guys who are really can still play and choose to retire. Aaron Donald winning a Super Bowl, going out on top. I think he's been in the league for eight years. He's been an eight-time Pro Bowler, Rookie of the Year. I think seven-time first-team All-Pro. Like you can't. There's nothing left to accomplish from Aaron. He is the best player ever on the defensive side of the ball, besides Lawrence Taylor. I think you could argue. You think right now, if he retires right now? Yeah, you could say they're one A and one B almost. I would still give the edge to LT due to the fact that he has an MVP and a second Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, obviously doesn't have the same amount of defense players of the year, but I, I would give LT the nudge, but I think that they're very close in terms of the best defensive players to ever play the game. Yeah. It's, it's just crazy. He's, if you look at how a defensive tackle like Aaron Donald's built versus a defensive tackle from, you know I mean? Like 10 years ago, or you know, when Joe Green was playing, I mean, Joe Green wasn't a big fat guy, but like you're used to seeing that big, just guy in the middle and Aaron Donald's is not built like that. Yeah, and he is a game wrecker. He is, you know, what Reggie White was, what Deacon Jones was. It's the fact that your Pro Bowl caliber guard is still distant from what we have in Aaron Donald. You know, um, it's just incredible. You see um, uh, Joe Burrow was never able to get into, you know, his Joe Cole groove, you know, that uh, comeback at the end, what we were all seeing throughout the playoffs. It just never happened because he was playing teams like – you know, Kansas City, Vegas, Tennessee, um, not well known for their superstar um, playmakers on defense. But, I mean, when you have to play the Rams, and I know you're picking apart Jalen Ramsey, um, but just that pass rush with um, Aaron Donald getting after him twice, creating pressure, and that pressure up the middle is much, much more of a headache than off the edge for any quarterback. Oh, and yeah, it's up, right in your lastly, face right there. He's also absorbing the double coverage which is where you know guys like Leonard Floyd and Von Miller were able to come up big too yeah it would just seem to be too much too many people who are impactful against the Cincinnati offensive line that's not very good to begin with now, J- Joe Burrow was uh sacked um seven times on his last 22 dropbacks that's insane that's a third 
Yeah, so or, that just anyway, shows where the game was going. Actually, right, seven over twenty-two or twenty-two over mm-hmm. seven. Yeah, yeah, so almost a third of his dropbacks, he's getting dropped. Yeah. Um. So going forward, uh, what do you what do you think going forward? Uh, what's your overall take from the from the NFL season? I guess you like uh, Cincinnati next year. Who who are you liking for next year? What are you thinking right now? Well, uh, it's yeah, a little early. Obviously. But obviously too early. Um, we, we'll see what free agency does, what the draft does, you know, um, we'll, we'll even see Burris. I know he, he sprained his knee. He didn't get a serious knee injury, but I mean, Odell Beckham may miss time. Um, with his looks like that he tore his ACL. I mean, more, um, do you, do you see Cincinnati as, as a one-time thing or do you see them in the playoffs again? You see the Rams kind of, what do you expect for those two teams next year? As what well, I should have said. Well, from the Rams' standpoint, they're both teams, by the way, are in very tough divisions. I think the Rams sh- will rebound. Um, I think Sean McVay is an incredible coach, and he'll make the adjustments necessary. I I think they have a roster built to win if these guys are returning that can um, sustain them. I think for the cu- next couple years, um, I understand that um, in the division, Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray both may be on their way out. We're just going to see and wait see what happens there um jimmy grapplo on the way out too so i mean rams are the only team retaining their starting quarterback most likely yeah. or at least the only one in a drama free environment that is um robert woods will be back so i'm expecting big things from the rams next season cincinnati on the other hand um again i want to see it to believe it. it's the same way i was on cleveland last year with you know talented roster but i want to see if they can do it again um, yeah. I think Burrow's definitely a better quarterback than Baker, and they're definitely capable of doing that. It's just, we'll see when uh, Lamar Jackson's healthy again. Um, Baker Mayfield played hurt all year, too, so we'll see what happens when these guys are back, and we'll see who Pittsburgh gets a quarterback, too. Um, and if it comes down to, you know, culture and history, you see um, Pittsburgh and Baltimore tend to be the teams that roll the north, and, I mean, we'll just see how that is moving forward. Yeah. Is this uh was this Matt Stafford's first playoffs? He's made a two or three okay, for the Lions, but okay. obviously the first run he's ever had. Yeah, I was trying to figure off figure out if he was undefeated in the playoffs, but I guess he did make it with the Lions. Uh, yeah, defeated the Lions, undefeated without the Lions. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that really shows the anchor that is the Lions. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that, honestly, I thought the officiating in this game was kind of iffy. I like that they initially let them play early in the game, but towards the end, like, there were a lot of missed calls, I thought. Yeah, I agreed. There were definitely some missed calls. That, the one, the the touchdown on Ramsey, I mean, he ripped his face. Yeah, yeah, uh, T. Higgins, and I guess that kind of made up for the, the Cooper Cup call at the end where he got held, Um, he got, you know, he drew the holding penalty on Oh, yes. On the goal line, um, I, I didn't like it. I didn't think that was holding. But if you rewatch it, I mean, there's a play where Daryl Henderson was held on a Texas route, and the, like you said, uh, T. Higgins face mask and basically brought mm-hmm. Jalen Ramsey down. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just missed calls, and I guess they offset. But um, I don't know. I, I like that they let him play, but towards the end there, that was de- definitely, I, I think, a little bit. I don't know. I, I, I didn't like the officiating towards the end. The one thing I was glad about was the first commercial after the game was not, LA Rams fans, your team has won the Super Bowl. It's normally like the <laughs> I, second I the time, the, like the clock is zero. I was thinking like the second the game to check, 
Matt Stafford's like Wikipedia to see if he's considered a Super Bowl champion. <laughs> yeah, I did that yeah. immediately. <laughs> they're, they're on it for that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but no, I was gonna say if you take out the Higgins touchdown as well as the uh, forty-six yard bomb uh, to Jamar Chase early in the game, Burrow only would have ended twenty to thirty-one with one hundred and forty-two yards and no touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. They so were the, definitely the Rams, two big plays. Rams definitely saw what the Bengals do best and just took it out because, I mean, they were generating pressure every snap. And, I mean, it, it was tough to, to um, for Burrow to expand any sort of plays. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm going to ask you one more sports thing, and then we're going to get into just uh, the stuff to do with Pittsburgh and the beer of the week. All right, JP. All right. Um, what are your thoughts on the, the Hall of Fame class? Oh, my God. I would... <laughs> I've had conversations this week. Um, now, to be honest, I haven't watched a lot of these guys play. Like, they're a little bit before my time. But I do look at the numbers and even, like, historic value and everything. I think this was a really, really bad Hall of Fame class. Yeah. I feel like you could put together a better Hall of Fame class of people who have not made the Hall of Fame. Yeah, like, I don't understand why DeMarcus Ware was passed on as a nine-time Pro Bowler. But we're getting guys who are making four Pro Bowls. You know, DeMarcus Ware has almost 140 career sacks, a Super Bowl ring. I don't think any player that got in was more deserved, was better than DeMarcus Ware. Yeah, I, I agree with that. DeMarcus Ware was, was an absolute beast. Um, and, I mean, people like Bryant Young, like, he was good. I guess I never really watched him play, like, watched the, the, the Niners play at the time. But is he really, like, I don't know. I don't think he's better than Demarcus Ware. Um, yeah. I know Tory Holt got passed on. Um, yeah, th- th- Tory Holt's a few guys better than him. Tory Holt Johnson. is one of those guys that like watching. Tory Holt is one of the best receivers I remember ever watching. Yeah, and I understand that maybe it's due to position scarcity, but I mean Cliff Branch got in too. I I mean <laughs> Isaac Bruce is, and I feel like Tory Holt was better than Isaac Bruce. Yeah, I guess that's just because Bruce did it for longer, maybe. Yeah, but. I mean, is, is it the Hall of Fame for, like, how good you were and how spectacular you were, or is it because of a longevity thing? I mean, I guess it's different for different people. Ask Barry Sanders versus Emmett Smith. Yeah, yeah, I, I get it. It's, um, I don't know, I, I just thought this class was kind of weak. Even D- Dick Vermeil getting in, I, I didn't understand that. I could see. Um, I mean, like, Tomlin, I feel like, has been a better coach in his career than Dick Vermeil. Is there a more beloved head coach who has really accomplished less than Dick Vermeil? <laughs> I feel like he's just a good guy that guys like. I mean, yeah, he's good, but like, but, he's uh, not like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I thought Hall of Fame was a, was, was a little much. I, I it's, it's the Super Bowl win with the greatest show on turf. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's the highlight of his career. That team was amazing, though. That offense. I mean, yeah, that, yeah. When you look at, do you think Tory Holt will be a Hall of Famer? Uh, I think eventually. It's just wide receivers. You're going to see a huge upscale, I think, in Hall of Fame wide receivers. You'll either see a lot more getting in, or you'll see a lot of um getting overlooked because there are too many in. I, I think. think I think you're going to see a lot more wide receivers who weren't like. I think Tory Holt's a great example because I think he is a Hall of Famer based on watching him play. Uh, you're going to see wide receivers that retire after him that have better numbers because they played in a more, you know, passing league. And you're going to see that. And, like, guys from the 70s get passed on. Like, you're like, you see guys. I mean, back then, getting 60 receptions in a season was a lot. 
And then you see it now. If you don't have a hundred receptions, you're not, you know, up there. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think it's it, the position's totally different nowadays, where every role benefits the offense, especially these wide receivers. I mean, j- just just like we said at the Super Bowl, Jalen Ramsey's got to be the best corner in the game. If and if he's not, he's got to be two or three. Without any doubt, he was getting shredded in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and it's not because he isn't talented. I think it's just the roles benefit wide receivers and offense. Well, they wanted to, you know fantasy and you know numbers you know keep people people are more interested and more engaged when they're when the numbers are going up mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I agree completely but yeah for, for me it was an interesting pick i i think i i i don't know i just feel like this class like i said i may be a little unbiased since i i didn't really get to watch these guys growing up but 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 like even that like i knew who ken stabler was because he was getting snubbed every year and i thought he should have gotten in but I don't know. I feel like these guys, like, it seemed like it was a collection of a whole of very good class. I was but. just going to say that. Like, Richard Seymour was was an all-pro and stuff, but, I mean, he was good with the Patriots team, but I feel like the whole defense was, I don't know. Not that you should be punished for that, because then you could say that about anybody on the Steelers in the 70s, you know. But, uh, I don't know. Richard Seymour, uh, I don't but know. But e- even those Steeler teams First ba- ballot, Richard Seymour. Was he first ballot? Uh, I, I can't remember. I think it was, I don't nah, think he so. might've been a couple. Cause I feel like he retired a while ago. Yeah, I think so. I was going to say, but not, but he's like not better the, than DeMarcus Ware. I agree. None of them are. And when you look at even, even like the Steeler teams that won Super Bowls early in Ben's career, um, great defense, but I think Paula Malu is the only one I would put in the hall of fame. Yeah. Yeah. All the other ones, great players. And I feel like that's kind of, what we were getting, you know, like Aaron Smith, if he was like, nominated for it. Yeah, I but like I feel like James Harrison was, was more impactful than Richard Seymour. Yeah, yeah, James Harrison. I don't know. He uh, he, he didn't really bloom till late, but he did win a defensive player of the year. And um, Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Are, you, are you valuing? I mean, for three years, he was the most, he was the best player on defense, arguably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I just... I don't know. I, I'd like to see. Uh, I'm not. I'm not I, saying I he should be I a Hall felt of like This was a pretty weak, weak yeah. class. We agree on that, then. Yeah. All right, JP. Um, <laughs> um this will probably be our last sports show because we're. It's more of a, uh, I guess, football extra than sports extra, because you're not following the NHL, right, or NBA. No, not not so much. I think the best way, um, as far as gambling goes, if you're gonna bet NBA, I kind of like to parlay, um like four favorites NBA. You don't see a lot of upsets. Generally the team that's favored will win. And if you see like four games with a substantial spread, yeah, parlay all four of them and then just get your odds better. Cause they're all almost guarantees. Yeah. You just par- parlay all four and get your odds up to a plus rather than a minus and what you bets, what you'll win. NHL is tough to bet just because the spreads always one and a half. Yeah. I don't really know too much about, um, gambling on hockey yeah i see a lot of people that do that are more the uh kind of like the the draft like the fantasy things i see that with basketball too kind of the individual things versus the team yeah yeah like stats or right same game parlays things like that yeah definitely and those mm-hmm. those are kind of interesting because you know you could you you string together the right couple you know bets you could really end up with some money yeah, yeah, I, I I like it. It's definitely something different from other resources, so I definitely enjoy doing it. And I think, you know, it makes the games more interesting to watch. Yeah. 
But pay, uh, you know, if we decide to do some kind of sports thing, we might do you know a um, ranking or something like that sometime. But yeah, it will not be the weekly thing anymore. But sports guy JP, thank you for a wonderful year of football talk. Um, sure. You could definitely, uh, everybody should go on to, I think, Pittsburgh Magazine. They're going to start doing their best in the Berg thing. So make sure you vote for Poor Man's Podcast for Best Podcast. And under Sportscaster, vote Sports Guy JP. Yeah, please do. Um, and st- stay in tuned. Um, I'm sure I'll be popping in and out for more episodes. And yes. um, ne- next season as well. Definitely looking forward to it. Stay up to date with... Um, all of the latest um, analysis from the poor man's podcast. Absolutely. Maybe we'll do a draft kind of thing or, you know, some, some incremental shows. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're not going to get, um, you know, the stuff you get here, you're not going to get anywhere else. Absolutely. So definitely here. tune in for that. Thank everybody. Or thank you everybody for the, you know, listening to the sports show the whole year. Thank you for listening to the regular poor man's podcast. Um, but we're going to get into some of this. We have uh, stuff to do in Pittsburgh here. We'll, we'll play the stuff to do in Pittsburgh. Now I think Liz, uh, has some uh, her picks for this week. And for once, we're going to have Sports Guy JP stick around, and he's going to give us some of his insight on uh, some of these. We'll see we, We'll see what his opinion is. You ready, Sports Guy JP? Yeah, let's do it. Hey, everyone. It's Liz from Stuff to Do in Pittsburgh, and we are back again this week to tell you some of the best things to do in Pittsburgh. Now, Valentine's Day events aren't over just quite yet because we have a few awesome ones coming up this weekend that you don't want to miss. The first one, grab the kiddos and stay in your comfy PJs because PJs, paws, and popcorn is happening this weekend. Head to the Humane Animal Rescue, and this is a kid-only Valentine's Day theme event. So this one, you can come make Valentine's Day crafts, and you get to hang out with the shelter pups. So it's going to be so fun. Now, if you want to do some relaxing, you can head to the Ross Park Mall on Saturday for a free yoga class. Now this one is really great because not only will it get you feeling relaxed and ready to take on the week ahead, but you will also receive some in-store discounts plus some free in-store samples. Our next one is Cupid's Undie Run. This is one of our favorites. And yes, you do run through the city in your underwear. Sounds funny, but it is so much fun and it is all to raise money to help research NF a rare genetic disorder that causes tumors to grow on nerves. It is a great foundation. It is super fun. And then you can head to McFadden's after for some drinks to celebrate your run. For more events and more things to do this weekend, head to our weekend guide. See you guys. Thank you, Liz. Liz from Stuff to Do in Pittsburgh. Everybody, if you're interested in anything she just talked about, definitely click through. Uh, well, I'll put the link in the info for us. So just click through there and see all that stuff. JP, any of this stuff stick out to you? You seem like a undie run kind of guy, Cupid undie run. I have so many questions and no answers. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever heard of one of these? Um, I have not. I, I can't say that I'm typically, you know, especially on Valentine's Day in February and what, 20 degree weather. Yeah. Yeah, sh- streaking through in my underwear. I mean, it looks, fr- based on the picture, it looks like people are like wearing clothes, like leggings and stuff that they just wear their kind of underwear on the outside. It's some, like, you know, the traditional heart-shaped, or the the boxers with the hearts on them, like you see in every com- or cartoon of all time. You know when, yeah. like, the cartoon <laughs> character, like the chicken, gets his pants pulled down, which are just feathers, and they go down, and he right. has, like, boxers <laughs> that have hearts on them? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, that's definitely someone else's speed rather than mine. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. To me, th- uh, Valentine's Day should just be more about like, you know, boyfriends, girlfriends, um, you know, spouses. You know, I don't know. Uh, flowers, candy, dinner. I'm, I'm more of a traditionalist, a bit, a bit of a throwback gentleman. Yeah. I don't <laughs> yeah. necessarily see yeah. uh, r- running out in my underwear. Well, I don't. I don't think it's meant for a date because, uh, as I mean, everyone that's Valentine's Day is already passed. I think it's kind of more, let's keep in the February. Although, if anyone's ever run in the cold, um, it says drop your pants and run through the city of Pittsburgh in the cold. Yep. And it's all to raise money to research. And she said NF. And I know why. Uh, because I'm trying to read what NF stands for, and I'm really struggling. It says neurofibromatosis. <laughs> so it's yeah. a rare genetic disease, but I guess it's uh, in honor of that. So, I mean, it's for uh, it sounds like a fun time, and but it's not the running part. They always get you in with Cupid's undie run. Nobody's going for the run. They're going to wear something fun and drinking afterwards, and that does sound fun. Running in the cold sucks. Right, yeah, I mean, definitely it's a good cause. Um, I, I'm sure, I mean, it would be good for a laugh, you know, that's the way I look at it. Um, I think that's def- the intention. Yeah, yeah, and definitely, like you said, the drinks afterwards, that all sound, I'm sure it's a good time. It will be fun, funny, good time, make people laugh. It's just kind of at this point, I feel like I could find better things to do. <laughs> Maybe go to, uh, what was it? pajama kid? Yeah. Dog sleeper. I don't know. That, that PJ's sounded, paws and popcorn. That that sounded probably just as uh, d- dis, uh, d- discomforting as the other thing. This one is at the Humane Animal Rescue. This is uh, East End Shelter. That might have been where I got uh, my uh, childhood dog, Murphy. I believe it was over in that area. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, I, I love dogs. Kids are nice. Uh, don't really like popcorn. I understand yeah. some people do. I just don't like these things. Yeah. Well, I think it's a kids thing. I think it said it was a kids only event, so I think it's like bring your kids do some stuff, and it has to be nice yeah, while for the, the adults dogs. go run naked. Why what? While the adults run naked, yeah. I, th- run. <laughs> I think they're they're two different events. I don't think it's pause and yeah, Cupid undie run, but uh, yeah, that that's cool. Um, it's I think it's nice to have people go in, even if you're not going to buy a dog. I bet the dogs like uh, human contact. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it'll be, like I said, it'll be a good time, just like the other event. Not really necessarily my style, but I'm sure, you know, for people, for for the uh, clientele that these things will cater to, the people are going to love it. Yeah. Um, And then the last one they said there was yoga at uh, Ross Park Mall. JP, as an exercise, are you more of a yoga guy or a running guy? Uh, running 100%. I, I, I find the other two events probably more fun than the yoga class. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, to, to Yoga, I, I, I like I, as far as the flexibility, but when it's like the whole cycle or whatever they're called, I can't remember what they're called. Uh, there's it's not a cycle. Be- it's like a uh, fuck. I can't there's remember. benefits to yoga. It's just not the thing. You know, I, I can understand doing yoga maybe once a week to help you with, you know, if you're training for, you know, an athletic event or if you're just you know staying in shape at the gym lifting maybe yeah. once in a week but as far like as a permanent lifestyle i don't know d- definitely not my thing i feel like it's definitely more geared towards um females obviously more so than you know something i would want I, to do i feel like uh yoga i feel guilty every time i've ever done yoga because i feel like i should be doing something else like i'm like okay this is fun but like this takes a long time and i feel like i'm not really doing anything 
So I feel like if I'm going to exercise, if I'm doing it for exercise, I'd rather do cardio or something. I feel like I get more of a uh, result from that. If you're doing it for more of the meditation part, I, I get that. But I, I know for myself, I was getting my head. I'm like, okay, well, I have to do this, this, and this. And then that's all I think about while I'm trying to do yoga, which I guess but defeats it, the it's, purpose. It's more of like I don't want to tell people I'm doing yoga. Oh, for, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it, it also it, it hurts. Like some of that intense yoga stuff, the stretching and trying to – bend over and touch you know get yeah. like a whole grasp around your foot if you're leaning forward that stuff can hurt yeah some of those i mean it's... the people that are super into it i mean are into it i'm not very flexible i used to be but i like i mean not that i used to be flexible but i used to be a lot more flexible than i am and i'm definitely out of shape so i'll have to get i like i said i'm more of a runner so maybe you'll see me with the cupid undie run that's like uh, says, I, there's definitely a lot of benefits to to yoga and all of it if if it's your thing i'm sure this thing will be fun check it out it's just well like i said none of these events are really my style yeah well i guess you won't find sports guy jp there but if you're interested in any of the things um click through the the info go to um you know all the stuff to do in pittsburgh the women there are awesome uh thank you again liz for all that info um and we'll be excited to hear from you next week um, JP, I always do a beer of the week, and since Shay and Cheech aren't here because we're just doing the sports show, I decided to get it in so we're not wasting a week. So this week I chose, it's called Obvious Alien. It's from Hop Farm. It's 6.5%, and it's it's pretty good. It kind of has like a weird corn taste to me. Um, So I don't know what that's about, but I got it for the can. It's an alien with a mustache and hat. And I guess he's supposed to be undercover, but it's called Obvious Alien. I'll let JPC the can. Kind of reminiscent of the alien from American Dad, but green. (laughs) Yeah, the the can's cool. Um, I can't really defend the corn taste whatsoever. I feel like I don't want that in beverage I'm drinking, alcohol or not. It says it's a a spelt and wheat driven hazy pale hopped with El Dorado. Warmer. Zappa and Citra for a complex yet complimentary blend of citrus, pine, stone fruits, and a touch of noble hop spice. JP, you know what a stone fruit is? Not familiar. This is, you see this in wine a lot, and I, I was confused myself. You know, I was a wee lad at one point. Uh, I think stone fruits are anything that have like a pit in them. So, like a plum. I think even cherries could be considered a stone fruit. So, anything that has like that pit in it. Okay. A nectarine, yeah. maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking I mean, of the, the wrong thing. The uh, ingredients sounded good. In Apricot. The, the ingredients in that sounded good. I just don't understand where you're getting like like the, the corn taste. I I thing. don't have the yeah. the it, maybe corn's not the right one, but like there's something in it. Maize. That, <laughs> yeah, no, it's not that. It's it's not in the family. I you think you could tell the difference between maize and corn? Isn't maize like hard? I don't know. To, to me, I, I, is it like colored differently? I feel yeah, like. it is. But every time I've ever seen it, it's been like you know, you know how you have like corn on the cob that you eat, and then there's like the corn you go to the farm, and right? Like feed the animals, and it's like a very oh. different corn. I'm thinking that's more like what maize is. So maybe there's a maize that uh, just needs to be cooked the right way, or maybe it's just undercover, like the rest of the drink. Maybe it's uh, undercover. Yeah, exactly. I was just gonna make the joke, <laughs> and I realized that's what you were saying. So, <laughs> all right. But uh, uh, JP, anything you'd like to to end on? I I, I had to ask you. Did uh, in your opinion, Cooper Cup deserve MVP? I thought he did. 
I, I thought you could have given it to him or Aaron Donald, honestly. I was going to say, um, yeah, one thing I want to get at was um, I felt like the Rams didn't win that game unless Aaron Donald played his best when he had to play his best. Yeah. And if Cooper Cup played his best when he had to play his best. Yeah. You know, like, I feel like I don't like to give co-MVPs, but in a way I feel like, you, you know, the Rams in the second half took over, you yeah. know, when he started making the plays when um on that fourth and one, which was actually a third and one that turned into a fourth and one when, you know, he stopped P Ryan in the backfield and then they call up a pass play and um Aaron Donald's the one that, you know, uh blew it up. Those I think they both would have been sheet. deserving, whoever won. Uh-huh. Yeah, and they don't show up on the stat sheet, but I-, I feel like, you know, they're in that position too because of Cooper Cut making the plays without Odell Beckham in the game. Bengals knew they were going to, you know, zero in on him, and they still, you know, found a way to get him the ball. Yeah, I agree with both of those. I feel like if the Rams were going to win, they needed Cooper Cup to kind of go down and score and be the best receiver all year that he has been. And he did that. And then if they needed to stop him, like you said, Aaron Donald needed to be the best. And they both came up when it mattered. I think that people like to lean towards offense and points a little bit more. Um, but I do think that if, you know, he didn't go down, he made a hell of a catch. He, he dominated that drive. Um, not as, not as sexy as the Santonio Holmes drive, but as important, you know, down by four needing to go down. Remember they missed that, that extra point earlier or Johnny Hecker dropped the ball or whatever. And yeah, yeah, they and were down by four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a phenomenal drive. And he's just slice and dicing, um, you know, with Stafford and, Van Jefferson wasn't really busting off man coverage. Uh, Odell was out of the game. Higby never even suited up. They're not running the ball. And, um, yeah, that's how they put points on the board, was finding Cooper Cup late in the game. Um, and I think the turning point in the game, something I want to touch on this a little bit earlier, just, you know, it didn't fit in at all. But I, I think the, the the real turning point in the game, and ironically enough, it came down to Cup and Aaron Donald, was um, both teams faced a crucial fourth and one with the game on the line under a minute. And uh, Sean McVay decides to, you know, he knows they're not running the ball. They're averaging less than two yards carry. And he dials up a jet sweep to Cooper Cup, Offensive Player of the Year. They convert and they, you know, they, they go on to win it when he catches the game-winning touchdown. And then uh, Bengals later, the next drive, face the fourth and one, too. They've been running the ball incredibly well with uh, Mixon. Like I said, he averaged almost five yards carry. But they call a pass play despite being, you know, getting pressured every single snap, it seemed like. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if that's a coaching error, but I mean, I think that was the turning point in the game. Absolutely. Uh, astute observation and great analysis as always, sports guy JP. But yeah, I'm 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 glad the the game was close. I didn't want to see a blowout. There's nothing worse than that, like um, Seahawk Bronco just beat down. Yeah, I agree. Like I, I was just happy it came down to it, and I just thought, um, you know, it, it was cool to see one guy on offense and one guy on defense, you know, not necessarily the quarterback. I mean, Stafford played really well, but it was cool just to see a wide receiver and a defensive lineman just take the Super Bowl over in the second half. Yeah, it's weird because I remember seeing uh, after the game, obviously, that it was like Rams Super Bowl champion. And any other year you see Super Bowl champion, the quarterback is like the center focus. And for this one, he was like fourth, you know. They had him, but they had him kind of in the background. They had Aaron Donald flexing real big. They had Cooper Cup. They had Jalen Ramsey, Vaughn Miller. And then you kind of see Stafford after that group. 
Yeah, I mean that's Hollywood for you. That, that's they have a Hollywood lineup for that team, and I mean it's exactly what they needed was everyone in that cast to come through and make it count. That cast. Yes. Look at you, JP. Look at that. It was like Pulp Fiction. <laughs> you know, just one's phenomenal talent after another, all performing at their best. Yeah. <laughs> that that movie was cast incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Well, all right, JP. We'll uh we'll wrap this up. JP uh, no, I was gonna ask you, since JP's norm not normally on the uh, the regular show, if you had a least favorite movie character, but I think you did give us one before. I I um I don't know if I have a least favorite, but again, I think I touched upon this. I'm going to say it again. Dumbledore, good character, <laughs> yeah. still in the doghouse. Still in the doghouse. Yeah, that's who it was. JP, uh, I had a guest on. I think it was Jeff Fieldhouse. He had a great answer that I think you would appreciate uh, for worst movie character. He said, mm. Sarah Silverman in School of Rock. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um yeah, yeah, let, let, let Ned Schneebly and Dewey Finn do their thing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if they can both substitute teacher, you can get subbing jobs and make money that way to support her. I don't see the issue. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably, probably a no-vacancy fan anyway. <laughs> yeah. Touch me, I'm sick. Or, or no, that's Mud Honey. What, what, is touch me, what the hell is their name of this song? Do you know? Uh, heal me, I'm heartsick. Heal, heal me, I'm heartsick. Yeah, yeah. M- Mud Honey's a real band. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Believe yeah, it or not, Touch Me Up Sick is a Mud Honey song. If you if, it, if you uh, <laughs> haven't heard that, listen to that song. That's a good song. Um, not the school. Well, the school of rock song is like if that's an actual fake song. JP, we'll we'll have this. We should have this countdown. Best fake songs solely for movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. I mean, I, I would have to do some more research, but I think yeah. that that's a good song. Even the the one that you know Jack Black and the kids play at the end is pretty pretty good too. Yeah, absolutely. One of the one that movie is excellent. I have to say, one of my all time favorites. But JP, it's wonderful. And if you do best movie characters, Rosalind Mullen should be on it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she's the man. She, she is the man. <laughs> Stevie uh, next. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, JP, thank you again. We're going to wrap this up. Uh, tune in next week. Like I said, we have two guests. So we went from having no show uh, on the 14th to having two guests on the 21st. So definitely listen for Justin Powers, John Binley of Binley Hardware Company. But for Sports Guy JP, thank you all all year. Thank you for listening. I am Chris. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We hope you had a good time. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the show to catch the latest episodes and share with your friends. We can't promise not to embarrass you. And if you just can't get enough, follow us on Instagram at Poor Man's Podcast 412, Twitter at Poor Man's Pod 412, and Facebook. This is Pittsburgh's own Poor Man's Podcast signing off. See you next week. Winning. Winning. You play to win the game. Straight cash, homie.